Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online 24-7 and accessible here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. Obviously, uh, well, you probably know this by now, but I'll I'll, 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 I'll make a quick reference to it. We're available as both a podcast and as a radio loop, uniquely, I think, or just about uniquely. That being, radio loop being exactly what it sounds like, a loop of the show that is running on a separate computer here in the studio that basically allows you, the listener, to click in on the uh, on the link that uh, that says Radio Loop, that's right there on our homepage, uh, and pick up the show at whatever point it happens to be. Sort of a random act, rather than uh, listening as a podcast where, yes, it begins at the beginning and you can move and slide the slider forward and backward. No, let's let's. Let's play, let's play analog potluck, as it were, and just pick up this show wherever it happens to be in the loop that it's playing in and uh, learn about it and enjoy it that way. It's your call. Either way, you're going to www.centerlefttalkradio.com or you're picking us up as a podcast wherever you pick up your podcast. That's the other way of doing it. It is the, um, the 26th of August in a month of August that has been remarkably, remarkably warm. Uh, it's back up around, it'll be up around 90 again today and 90 for a few more days. I, I know if, if I look back on this show, in about, oh, three months or so, four months, uh, it'll be, wow, uh, I can't believe how cold it is, or something along those lines. It's, it's sort of the standard saw of those of us who live in uh, temperate zones here uh, in the United States, and I suppose uh, in, in most parts of the world, but it's why we're here. We're, we're, we're here for change, uh, although the change that we're experiencing this year uh, is largely uh, one of excesses, uh, you know, meteorologically. We now are in a very dry spell here in the Northeast, uh, replicating somewhat but nowhere near to the same extent what's happening in the southwestern part of the United States where it is just flat-out drought conditions. Uh, there is some declaration of equivalent drought in the far northeastern part of the country, a little a little further north than from where we are. If you get up around the Cape and then back going further north, up towards Maine and there, uh, that is deemed to be literally in a drought state, although not for anywhere near as long as it has been in the Southwest. We are, we are considered extremely dry, but we are not considered in a drought state here in the, uh, in the lower Hudson Valley right now. We are supposed to get some rain today and some rain tomorrow. I, I, have this, um, I have this memory of a really bad drought situation. I'm guessing it may have happened back in the, um, 
Well, it was probably the 80s. Uh, I, I, I can't tell you exactly when. 80s or 90s. It's, 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 it's a while back there. And uh, we were at a point where there was, uh, you know, where restaurants were told that they could not put water on uh, on diners' tables unless it was requested. Lawn watering was restricted. I, I forget if it was alternate days or it had been cut out altogether. Uh, many areas around the New York City area uh, had uh, very severe restrictions on what you could do with water. Uh, there were restrictions. Uh, in manufacturing facilities that needed water. It, it had really gotten pretty tough at that point. And uh, an interesting thing happened uh, um, on TV just, just around that time. Al Roker, uh, who is still with the Today Show and has been there for... <laughs> I believe just around the time when God invented dirt, uh, Al's been there forever. He's, uh, he's a, a fixture in America. Al, as weatherman, uh, <clears throat> made a statement. He said that, uh, you know, and, and he, was, he was just being kind of statistical. He said, if we were to end, to end the year out of a drought level, to not be one of the driest years in, in recorded uh, meteorological history, or as you know, since the, sometime in the mid-1800s when records first started being kept about weather here in the area, to, to avoid being, you know, to having the asterisk next to uh, that particular year as the driest year, we would have to have... X amount of rain, X amount of inches of rain fall. And the way he put it was, we would pretty much have to have rain almost every other day between now and the end of the year. Now, the point at which he said this was at some time during the summer. I remember that. And I remember saying, well, you know, the, the, the odds of there being uh, that much rain, of course, are, you know, slim to nil. I mean, you know, and he said it with that, with that same sort of thing, like, basically, get ready, guys, for one for the books. Uh, more practically, get ready to just sustain the restrictions that we're under here for water usage. This, I'm saying this is about, I don't know, 30 years ago, something, something like that. I can't remember exactly. Somebody may, may contact me and say, no. It was more recent than that. No, some of them may say it was a lot later, you know, a lot further back. It wound up we had rain <laughs> coming down that no one seemed to have been prepared to uh, uh, to predict. Pretty much every other day between then and the end of the year, and we wound up with the reservoir, it was really the reservoir levels is what he was referring to, to get the reservoir levels up to where they were supposed to be. That was, that was the big deal. Well, those reservoir levels, we ended the year with reservoir levels above their maximum. In fact, in some instances, I remember hearing they actually had to bleed off. They actually opened up the valves, as it were. There's a, they allowed water to drain out of reservoirs because into overflow because they were, they were overfilled. A, a totally unexpected reversal of what was there. <clears throat> and with the science of the time, which I'm sure uh, has been improved on by now, uh, they were not able to see it coming. Uh, 
I, I, I don't know now with, with the effects of global warming, the effects of, of the human intervention that, uh, that changes so much of our atmospherics in terms of, of temperature with the excessive levels of stuff that happens meteorologically. Uh, I, I don't know that there is even the statistical possibility of, of suddenly having massive amounts of, uh, of precipitation that we would not really be able to even vaguely predict at this moment. But I, I think what, more importantly, it just, it's just a, uh, it's a you never know moment. You just don't. And with everything we did know back then when Al Roker made that prediction, uh, and uh, that it, you know, it would just, how could this ever possibly happen? It happened anyway. And I, and I, and I always uh, sort of replay that story in my mind when things seem utterly impossible, where things absolutely just don't seem as though they can go in a, well, in, in this particular case, in that particular instance, that things can't get better. I, I guess they can. And, and, and of course, the, it, it's all the more powerful uh, in light of just how negative and, and, and how impossible it seemed for things to get better meteorologically at that moment in time. The, 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 the standard wisdom is, and I'm leaping here into politics, obviously, I'm going, what, what, what more perfect segue could there be going from meteorology to, uh, to, uh, to politics? Uh, but the standard wisdom is always that, the, <clears throat> that a party that has won the presidency in both houses, uh, when it comes to the first midterm following that win, they can expect to lose substantial numbers of people in both houses. Uh, in, in the House and Senate. That's just the way things are supposed to, well, have always worked in the American consciousness. Uh, if we've given that much power to one party, in this case, the Democrats in, two, in, in 2020, we, well, we being the American people and we basically always running towards the center, but trying to get there from, 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 uh, from swings in other directions. We, we don't just sit at the center. We keep trying it out. We keep moving the center left and right and then, and then resetting our, 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 uh, our standards for what the center is by voting back and forth. This swinging motion, this pendulum of American politics, many claim that this is what has kept us uh, as, as Ben Franklin uh, reminded us, we can have a republic if we can keep it. Well, this is how we've kept our republic, by essentially allowing our propensities to go in a left or right direction. I would say that the larger differences have been uh, through, uh, let, let's say, uh, stronger government control versus weaker government control, uh, movements in roughly uh, roughly driven by those ideas. Uh, stronger government, weaker government. And, and we keep running in both directions. Right now, the Republicans 
seem to be the equivalent of non-government. The effort is to basically set it up so that we can overcome the government. It's, it's an insane position for Republicans who are always law and order and constitutionalism and original construction and all these things that, that made for, you know, stand up and salute and, and basically preserve the, 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 the fundamentals of the Constitution. Let's keep it the way it is going in the virtually in the opposite direction just to serve basically Donald Trump's needs to uh, overtake and destroy the system. They're trapped. They're trapped in a cult right now. Democrats are doing what Democrats do, and they're basically uh, arguing among themselves about where things wind up. But but Joe Biden has come out with some pretty uh, impressive wins in the last several weeks uh, concerning uh, all manner of things, uh, chip manufacturing and, uh, and uh, well, the gun control thing that came out earlier and the American Inflation Reduction Act that included all sorts of major parts of his, uh, uh, of, of his, the promises made during the prior campaign in 2020. Suddenly, Mansion and Cinema are no longer the top the top uh, storyline for the Democrats and what can't be done. Suddenly it's what can be done. And all of a sudden the Democrats are going back out on the campaign trail, energized substantially. Joe Biden's ratings are the best they've been in over a year. And that's only at about 44% if you, if you uh, follow the, I guess, was it the Ipsos poll that came out with that this morning? One of the polling organizations finally gave him a 44% rating. He began his presidency up around 60 and change. Um, and there have been special elections that have uh, been in districts where in this point in the cycle with a Democratic president and Democratic control of the House and Senate, any other time one would have expected the opposition party to win in these elections, and especially because the districts they were in were had been red, but were considered swing enough where they could change over, and Democrats took uh, have been taking these special elections handily around the country. There was one in the, I guess it was the 16th district in, uh, in, in New York, in western New York state, and it was totally unexpected that the Democrat would win in that situation. Democrats dealing with, with a bell as a bellwether. And suddenly you're hearing uh, Joe Biden now after having a, a wonderful series of signing events for all this new legislation, he's getting out on the campaign trail. And yesterday, I, I heard him. He was, uh, he was somewhere, in, I guess he was around Baltimore or something, starting close to home, and began talking about, uh, you know, laying out the Democratic strategy uh, for this upcoming election. And, and there was no great surprise in the way he presented things. Essentially, it was a repetition of the advertising that had been done by Dan Goldman uh, here in, in New York. Uh, Goldman was uh, one of uh, something like 8 or 10 or 12 Democrats running uh, for a newly, uh, a newly defined uh, congressional seat 
in New York City, taking in parts of New York City, and uh, came out not very far ahead of his nearest challenger. In fact, his, the next challenger was a woman who was very much uh, in the, uh, I guess, in the AOC uh, uh, range of, of, of political thought. Uh, so she was much further to the left progressive. Goldman was, I would call him a centrist. Uh, he, you, he, he comes from a very wealthy family and used a lot of his own money, uh, not, not exactly uh, unheard of in politics, sort of a uh, uh, Mike Bloomberg-ish approach to running for office. You got the money, you use it. Um, and he, he, the way he presented his ads, the, the, way, the way whoever the firm was, and I never checked this out, that constructed his television advertising uh, was just, just brilliant. He, in, in the space of even a 15-second commercial, was able to focus on the fact that Republicans were ready to take away your choice for reproductive rights, your gun, your gun safety, your safety, your your planet, your children, your your social security, your Medicare. They're willing to take all of this away in service of a cult to a guy that is disgraced, twice disgraced, impeached, uh, uh, basically on the verge of being indicted, and they're willing to do all of this in service to him in defiance of everything that they've ever been. And if you don't stop this process, if you don't vote for, well, in, in this case it was Abrams, but if you don't vote for Democrats generally, you are basically conceding the ability of Republicans to just perpetuate their own their own warped fantasy about what the party is supposed to be, they want to believe that it's in service of Donald. That is, the, and they're stuck with it. They don't know where to go. We have somewhere else to go. And here's what we've accomplished. Here's what Dan had accomplished. Well, Joe Biden was sounding more like Dan Abrams, Dan uh, yesterday than than. Uh, uh, I, then I could, uh, I, I just, I was shocked at the, at almost the verbatim listing of these things that the Republicans are against, that the Democrats are for, that, that it's, it's almost like, it's almost like taking in, it's like, my God, can I, uh, you know, every time your brain attempts to just wrap itself around the notion that the Three Trump-supported judges uh, on the bench basically voted to destroy Roe v. Wade together with some other conservatives. The very fact that they destroyed stare decisis, the very fact that they lied about what they would do when they were in, uh, in the uh, confirmation process— just, just you get that, get your head around that, and what that has meant on a practical level for women around the country after 50 years of these protections being in place. And, and in the same breath, you're talking about Republicans trying to remove Medicare and Social Security and have them reviewed every five years and starting from scratch and making them you know, privately supported notions. George Bush, 43, tried this and it failed, thank God. But the Republicans are at it again. Maybe Donald has some friends or they have some friends who could make a lot of money if they got to basically job this out and make it privatized. 
you, you, again, and this is like just boom, 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 boom. This is, you, you, you can say all these things in the space of about a, a 10 or a 12 second sentence. You could start talking about uh, essentially uh, climate, uh, climate change and climate control being completely uh, thrown to the wolves by the Republicans and it being covered in the largest way possible, in the largest way in history by recent legislation that was passed on a 100% party line by the Democrats. You, you can talk about uh, gun control, which there was some done, but which largely is still resisted by Republicans and essentially uh, is you know, what stands between many people especially in communities of color, uh, and, and safety or a sense of safety, and that there has to be tons more, and that it's an 80% approval level sort of thing. You, you, you put all that together, and you realize that the Republicans have positioned themselves in precisely the wrong place, in precisely the, 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 the wrong niche, given public opinion and public ratings of these things, to make it all worse that, that you know, they're vastly supportive of the idea of Donald Trump running for president again and are offended that after 18 months of attempting in the most polite way possible, the FBI finally had to uh, do a raid on Mar-a-Lago to get back some of the most sensitive documents in the United States, which Donald invariably uh, was, uh, had, or was about to, or maybe has already, used for his own benefit. This is how the guy operates. We know that. Everybody knows that. How could a party that should be running on strength and really moving way, way past the Democrats in a midterm cycle where the Democrats already control the presidency, the House and the Senate, and every bit of American history or recent American history would suggest the Republicans should be surging forward. They're, they're not. They're stuck. They're stuck because of Donald. Everything goes back to Donald. They just don't seem to know how to unravel themselves, how to disenamor themselves from this guy. And it looks like it's just going to have to play out. No one on the Republican side really has the guts to say this, this isn't this isn't working. Well, um, Mitch McConnell may have said it in a sort of um, obtuse sort of a way. Uh, he, he made a point of saying recently that uh, uh, it's not looking much, not looking particularly promising for the for the uh, Senate. Um, uh, much of this is a candidate. It's a it's a candidate quality issue, uh, which is about as far as he would go, uh, short of saying that we've got some Looney Tune losers running for the Senate, which for whatever reason got Donald's nod because, well, he had to nod at someone and this is the one I'll bet on and this is the one that I'll basically, you know, prom this is, this is the horse that will come in. Um, other than that, though, the Republicans just don't know where to go. Uh, th there, was an interesting, there was an interesting statement made 
yesterday. Uh, I've, I'm trying to think of who, uh, it was somewhere in MSNBC I picked this up. And it, it, was a, it was a very curious observation about Donald generally that uh, as he, you know, during the campaigning for the 2016 election, um, there were, he, he simply demonstrated his capacity to lie, to fabricate, to basically say anything he wanted to say to get what he wanted. And, and this was coming off the birtherism business, okay? The whole, he was, he and, 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 uh, and I, I have to be honest, Liz Cheney and others in, 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 in the House at the time were largely part of this group that was, uh, you know, questioning the birth certificate or the or the of, of, of Barack Obama, you know, and and, and this was this was the popular thing among Republicans to to uh, question him on and on and 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 uh, Donald's entree into politics was based on uh, this lie. So, so what Donald was able to do very effectively early on, as he got into his campaign as well, was to simply lie about stuff. But as he got into the presidency, as, as he ultimately found himself as president of the United States, much of what he was able to do didn't necessitate lying as much as breaking rules. It wasn't as though, yes, of course, where the opportunity arose and there was a need to put out a narrative that would work to his benefit if that narrative somehow were associated with getting a position that he wanted. Yeah, he was never, he was never one to be shy about lying for the purpose of gaining whatever it was he wanted to gain. But by and large, because he controlled so many levers of government, it was less about lying straight away and simply doing whatever the hell he damn well pleased. And at least while he was in the White House, this was the point that was being made by this commentator I was listening to yesterday. While he was in the White House, every time he tried doing something really nuts, taking over something, controlling something, breaking something, throwing something away, robbing something, uh, giving away information, mishandling, the, whatever it was he did, was about to do, there were people, there were handlers there to basically jump in and say, no, 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 Donnie, no, no, stop, stop, no, 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 that's not good, you, you can't, oh, no, I, why can't I? No, 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 Donnie, you can't do that. And, well, more often than not, uh, he, at least the point was being made to him, he, effort was being made to control his 
compulsions, his need to be in control of everything, to own everything, to basically be able to do with whatever he wanted to do with anything, any way he wanted to use it, to basically say it's mine, to be essentially acting like a two-year-old, to, to be in a perpetual state of hissy fit uh, combined with grievance and basically perform accordingly, telling people that he had a perspective about how things were and I own this and this is that and that's that. And it doesn't matter whether any other rational adult would accept the position I'm saying. I'm going to push this across. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. You're going to do what I do. I want it this way. I want it this way. This is the way it's going to be. I want it this way. That And eventually you'll give in because you'll simply get sick and tired of of either hearing me say this or worrying about what I might do to you if you don't do exactly what I'm telling you to do. This has become sort of the, the mode of, of, of this is how the administration ran. Trump being able to shout down, banter down anyone else, claim that it didn't apply to him, uh, swear that, there was no, that nothing, nothing could stop what he wanted to do. And that pretty much defined his presidency um, up to the end. And then uh, somehow he winds up with all these boxes of classified material in Mar-a-Lago. Oh, how could that have happened? Well, curiously, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the redacted affidavit uh, that accompanied uh, the, uh, the warrant uh, that was used to search Mar-a-Lago. Uh, that redacted affidavit is supposed to be released today. This is a rare situation, by the way. Uh, rarely has it happened that an affidavit of this sort in a criminal investigation would be released in any form prior to uh, the, the, uh, the issuance of a subpoena or the indictment of some individual based on, let's say in this case, the seized materials from Mar-a-Lago. It's very rare that you would see any part of that affidavit. You would see, it's, it, it, it's, it would be rare not to see the affidavit at some point in the game. But it's very rare that that affidavit would become available before anyone has even been charged because presumably the affidavit has a lot of information in it that would have given the judge who signed off on it the reason to believe that crimes were being committed that required the seizure in the first place and that essentially until the actual charging of the defendants with the information in documents that would also of course have to be public from the get-go this would be the, this would be the indictment and everything else that would come down if anything prior to that might in, might tip off especially this being a a, a high-level government investigation would tip off people who were who were objects who were targets of that investigation and in the current environment give the loonies on the Trump side some other targets to aim at namely anyone who was working with the government anyone in the FBI etc cetera, etc cetera. one way or the other something is going to be coming out today it'll probably be so redacted that it's going to be invisible the point i'm making though is that after he left the white house 
and as he left doing the with his final act of illegality was to take all of this classified information which invariably Donald uses for Donald well we'll get more information on this I'm sure when more of the affidavit is unsealed or when more when criminal charges are brought out we'll get an understanding of what it is just how criminal it was we can we can make out a pretty good case for that right now just based on the three federal statutes title 18 statutes that were clearly and obviously broken by Donald in simply having possession of these documents but we'll get more detail as we go Donald basically as we said as I was saying when he's in the White House, when he was president, there were all sorts of people around him constantly trying to put bumpers around him, putting soft, pillowy objects around the guy to prevent him from running off the rails and doing wild, crazy, stupid stuff. They were there to tell him that he couldn't do it. That would be one way of doing it. There would be people there who basically would remove papers now and then that he otherwise had. When he went and ripped things up that he was throwing away that he didn't want to deal with, that was a total violation of, of law. He knew that. He was told that. Of course, he would pretend, oh, it's mine. I can do it. And even after being told, and of course, that's part of the bantering, doesn't work as a defense in, in federal or, or state crime, but that's another story entirely. We'll get to that. There were people there, and there were people with government clearance who had obligations to this material. No one of that sort was at Mar-a-Lago. No one, presumably, uh, with a secret document clearance was at Mar-a-Lago, certainly not Donald Trump. No one was there who could either tell him he could or couldn't or could assist him in uh, basically declassifying information. No one, no one was capable of this. No one was there to put guardrails around this guy. And in his self, self-inflicted delusion about, I want to be president again, I have to have power again, I need to do whatever I have to do, I know what works from a public relations perspective, he, Donald has now conflated the absolute unfettered madness of, what, of how he operated in the White House, but always having people running at him with pillows to try to buffer him and keep him from going totally off the rails. He's taken his basic narcissistic personality, his basic I can't be told no, his I will have whatever I want, his I must always have more, and more is never enough, and I have to have it, I have to have it. That with the behaviors that were permitted to him as president of the United States, albeit with people running around him with pillows on all sides. He's taken that presidential behavior, that elevated level of narcissism that was permissible through the presidency, combined it with what was already there, and has basically turned himself into a you know, a low-yield nuclear weapon of a human being who would do more harm than we could possibly ever imagine were he ever put into a position of political authority as president of the United States or anything else. Now, the reality is he is in a position of political authority. 
self-defined political authority. As, as If I'm a kingmaker, if my endorsement is what is the give or take on whether or not someone's going to get the nomination and blah, 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 well, I am the head of the party. I have the same power that I had when I was in the White House. I still can control the maddened, the maddened crowd, maddening crowd quite often. Apologies to Thomas Harding. Uh, Thomas Hardy. Uh, that's, that's, that's a fact. He, he's able to do this, but only because he's being permitted that exercise of power, that, that absolutely undeserved and inappropriate exercise of power by others within the Republican Party for having no other sense of how to proceed forward. For, for, for lack of any vision of what the party is or stands for at this point in time. So he is out there exercising this political bully pulpit sort of a situation where he is essentially continuing to break down any moral code, any, any sense of ethics, any sense of, 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 uh, uh, of, of, of decorum any sense of the of the uh, of the uh, history and 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 and, and true operative uh, behaviors that would define people as Republicans, with uh, the blessing of the Republican leadership in the House and Senate and everybody else around the country following on, and we're seeing where that leads him. It leads him into bad personal trouble. So, so acting like he's president of the United States without any of the protections that come with that. Nope, you can't be indicted while you're president. That's it, all that good stuff. All of the lies that Bill Barr was able to put around him, all of the buffers that were there. And if it wasn't a pillow that kept him from running away and people buffering him, holding him on track, then lying for him later in order to stop it, all of that is gone. But he has it because he's Donald, because as Mary Trump, his niece, wrote in the book that she put out there, because he can't ever, ever go backwards. He can't ever restrain himself. He must have more. It's never enough. More is never enough. Since he's that way, because he's clinically narcissistic, but not to the point, obviously, of having a criminal defense to that effect. Maybe he will. I don't know. Maybe he'll try that at some point out of desperation. He cannot stop himself from doing things that are now unprotectedly illegal. There was a long hiatus there before the Justice Department would really go ahead and start attacking the SOB, but that was a large measure. I have to, I have to assume this is Merrick Garland saying, look, we're in uncharted territory. We're going after a former president. No one's ever done this. Well, we never had a former president like him. We never had a president like him. But it got to the point where we've tried, we've tried. They were working on this since May of 21, trying to get back these documents. 18 months, well, 15 months later, and in fact, actually, there had been a doc, there were documents to show that Pat Cipollini uh, <laughs> had advised 
Donald that he could not take these documents with him when he left. They weren't his. And Donald, being Donald, said, no, they're mine. I can do whatever I want. Bang, 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 fits on table. And, and uh, therefore, I have no, I have no mens rea. I have no, I have, there's no sense of my being guilty of doing anything wrong because I've declared this and I can't see that there's anything wrong with it. Well, again, that won't hold up in court either. Simply defying the law and, bound, and pounding your fists on the table isn't going to work. It's just, you know, I, 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 I officially deny the law, therefore it doesn't exist for me. Next, next, no, no. If that's going to be the defense, then no, def no defendant on earth can ever be guilty of any crime. And it's not going to work here. And, and, of course, the Justice Department knows this. Merrick Garland knows that. People have looked forward on this. There's a huge, uh, there's probably a small cottage industry going on within the Justice Department right now, figuring out what the long-term implications of dealing with Donald Trump at this level will be, where it leaves them. And they know, having pulled the trigger, having done the search of Mar-a-Lago, they know there has to be an indictment coming down as a result. A series of indictments have to come down as a result of this. And this is before we even consider the Georgia situation. What's going on with everything that's going to be coming out of the January 6th hearings? We're just talking about this one relatively small area, but major criminality area of in, in, inappropriate retention and total lack of, 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 uh, of security for some of the most, most classified pieces of material in the U.S. government. Apparently nuclear-related information as well. Troop movements, I don't know. There's a whole, we, the word nuclear has come out any number of times. Whether that refers to the placement of nuclear weapons, the placement of troops that have nuclear capabilities, that's out there. And you can only imagine that Mar-a-Lago has been probably on the top of the list of every espionage organization on the planet because you can get in there and people could walk right past those rooms and people walked into the rooms where this stuff was with no difficulty whatsoever. This is, it, it's, it's just an intolerable situation. Donald has broken the law. Donald is criminally liable for this. He will be indicted. This is going to happen. But no one on the Republican side seems to be willing or ready to deal with it. And it's only going to get worse. Donald, Donald will find more ways to uh, essentially uh, try to counter uh, whatever was out there. Uh, he will, uh, they've, they've tried, I didn't know, I didn't know it was illegal, I, I, I declassified them. Um, I'm waiting for the flat-out statement that I declare myself to not know or have any, I have no conscience about things being illegal. I never see things as illegal, all I see is what I want to do. I have, no, I have no intent to break a law. I don't even recognize the law. I'm waiting for something even that abysmally bizarre to be presented there. So I can't, I can't have the requisite criminal intent because I don't recognize criminality. I only recognize my own narcissistic needs. You'll, you'll hear something like that at some point. This is, this is serious stuff. And, and, and this is a guy who invariably will declare himself for president sooner, if not late, sooner, not later, uh, 
because it will be the one way he feels he will be able to signal his people or signal everyone that he is serious about getting back the protections that he thought he had. So don't mess with me now because all you're doing is trying to get ahead of what I will be able to undo once they've elected me president again and which I will be one way or the other. Even if I lose, I'll win because we have enough secretaries of state that'll be moving in that will overturn the election. Do you understand the insanity of all this? I've said this a long time back. The best thing that we can do is keep this guy from running. The Republicans don't seem to be able to do it. If he's kept from running, it will be the greatest favor ever done to the Republican Party. Yes, there will be pissed-off Trumpian Looney Tunes who will never accept or understand what the reason would be. And yes, there may be some ugliness for a while. But if we don't indict this guy, then you're going to have a furious Democratic Party who may turn on the Democrats or be, or be completely disillusioned enough not to want to get involved in the process. And if you do indict him, you may have uh, Republicans who will do some weird stuff. You probably, believe it or not, will turn off many Republicans once the indictment process and the information comes out about what he is guilty of. Yes, there'll be all, it's all a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. Yes, every, every, anything that happens to Donald and anything that he's illegally, re he's not responsible for anything. He's Donald. I mean, that argument, you know, people will begin to hear the insanity of that over time. But you can't not charge this guy. You have to charge this guy. You have to show the country, you have to show the world that we are a nation of laws and that no one is above it. I, I, I just wanted to say this, this morning that, that, that this, this process that we're watching play out here is the result of a guy who no longer has people running around with pillows around him. He is probably at his most dangerous right this moment. The only thing more dangerous would be if he got back into the White House. And remember, who is going to work for him and what will his motivations be? What will he attempt to do? He will be on a revenge tour and that revenge tour will last a very long time. And what he might be capable of doing boggles the imagination. And the, beyond the very notion of taking someone this criminally culpable, this, this, this disgraced in our country, this twice impeached piece of garbage, and saying, no, 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 this is what America needs. Now, there's a, there's a provision in one of the three laws that were referenced in the, um, in the warrant that accompanied the, uh, the, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, the seizure of goods. And one of the provisions, one of these three provisions, provides that if the individual is, uh, that part of the penalties, uh, the, the possible penalties for uh, being convicted a violation of this, uh, you know, of, of this provision would be that the individual that is so convicted may no longer run for or hold political office in this country of any kind.
Yeah, 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 yeah. That is something that uh, obviously Garland and company uh, is strongly considering here. If you love this country, if you care about it, you have to think about that too. Oh, what a politically difficult thing it'll be. Second guess, my God, that's how you're going to stop Donald from beating beating Joe Biden. Uh, by the way, there was a poll that was released uh, yesterday or the day before uh, in a, uh, in a uh, matchup between uh, Biden and Trump. Were it to happen today, Biden wins by four points if Biden and Trump were running against each other today. And it'll only widen as time goes on. The Joe Biden, the Democratic candidates are outperforming Joe Biden right now, heavily, because people get this stuff. And yes, it, 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 we should be getting it 90-10. You know, 90, there should be 95% of, of rational America getting what a danger this son of a bitch is to the rest of us. But no, that's not how America works. We, we basically swing and then we kind of find our way back to the center. But this guy is throwing the system off kilter. And in a year where Republicans should have an advantage, he is basically finding ways to disadvantage them. And everybody has to use every vehicle available to them to get this guy out of the system, at least from a position of control. And if that requires making him ineligible to run, that's great. If it requires putting him behind bars, that's great. But you can't keep him out there. He's a danger. You've got to get him out of you got to get him out of the control process because no one else seems to know how to do it. He is a danger to our republic. He will take it down for his own purposes, given the opportunity. Anyone willing to look at the situation understands that. It's, it's just that way. So, Merritt and company and all of the, uh, and all of the various federal prosecutors and, and, the, and the reams and reams of paper and, and, the, and the countless number of people working on this and the quality that so supersedes anything that Donald may be able to procure at this point in terms of legal assistance. He's got crap working for him right now because, well, he doesn't pay and no one wants to work for him at this point. This is going to play out, and I have to believe, I have to believe, that he will not be able to run. He will talk. He will declare. But I have to believe that he will ultimately not be able to run for president once again. Because Merrick Garland is going to have to indict. And then we deal with that unknown uh, region of American history and find out how we're going to react to it. We'll, we'll find out when it happens. We'll find out if it rains enough to basically refill the reservoir by the end of the year when everybody thought the drought would be perpetual. We'll find out. We'll also help ourselves along. We'll be a little more uh, spurious and, and, and uncontrollable than a weather pattern. We'll be looking to preserve the republic. As Ben Franklin said, we must if we were going to retain it. David Bach will be with us in our next segment. Right now, 
a little jazz. This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to center-left radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. 
and we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial progressive programming, and we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You're listening to Central F Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. It is Friday. You know what comes next. Um, now, nah, I'm not going to waste any more time with that. You know, you didn't come here. You didn't come to this segment to hear me. You came to hear me say, though, David, what's on your mind? Hi. Um, there's a lot. So if you want to hear what I do or you want to hear more from me, you can find me at Twitter at Faces Ideas or you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Fresh Faces No Ideas. Um, look, there's, there's a lot of things happening. Uh, I want to talk about something that was kind of only an online thing, but it's worth, uh, worth pointing out because it's kind of a weird thing that happened. So, uh, first there was some type of podcast conference and at the conference, uh, the daily wire had a booth and Ben Shapiro showed up at that. And then the host of the podcast conference basically sent out a massive apology saying, look, he wasn't scheduled to be here. He wasn't, he wasn't supposed to be here. We're sorry that he showed up. We're sorry for any of the pain that that caused anybody. Now, there's two things with this. One, that was a ridiculous reaction. And two, his response and the right response is, oh, just the existence of Ben Shapiro causes people to be upset. And he actually tweeted, oh, they're trying to erase me. Now, this is really funny, and it's, it's, a, it's a reason to explain why the right has no understanding of irony for two <laughs> reasons. One... If you are a trans person, at least in the last year, and you're vaguely aware of the Daily Wire, you understand that they are one of the leading voices against your non-existence. Yeah, yeah. They want you to— Not— Yeah, 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 yeah. Not—they don't want you to push your ideology. The actual non-existence of trans people, they are against anything— anytime they show the media, it's it's grooming, it's against—it's um, not okay, it's pushing an ideology— Anytime they they're they're one of the reasons that the big uh, trans sports panic started, and that there are now multiple states that have banned a single child from playing sports. We're talking about middle school children, and they had to sports. go through a whole series of legislation, a law, and everything to make it make it all just because it's well, it's it's good publicity or sick publicity anyway. 
And then the last one, and this is the most important, is if you haven't been paying attention to these wackos recently, uh, they incited a terror campaign against the Boston Children's Hospital because Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, and Libs of TikTok were lying about what they did for helping the, the care that they gave trans people to the point where the Boston Children's Camp uh, Hospital said, hey, our doctors and their families are getting death threats and we have to go to the police because people keep lying about us. So yeah, if I was a trans person and I saw Ben Shapiro in a place I didn't expect to see Ben Shapiro, I would have some feelings about that seeing he is one of the reasons that my existence is threatened. Yeah, yeah, I think that's reasonable, yeah. <laughs> so, and also the other reason it's funny is that's literally how they react anytime they see a trans person. Yeah. The existence of them just makes them upset. That's that's the entirety of lives of TikTok. Just the existence of LGBTQ people is bad. Uh, so yeah. there's that. Now, we can get on to Trump's legal troubles. Now, to be fair, I've been, I, I think I've missed some of this. Um, I know... And I've seen a bit of the, let's call it a court filing okay. that they did for special masters. My understanding is not only did they file it in the wrong place, there's no actual file. That, that everything they put out is just garbage, um, it, along with actually incriminating him as well in their filings. Yeah, uh, and, and broadly speaking, you, 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 you hit all the, the right points there, but on, on the point of... of of wrongly filed, it's it's more a question of unnecessarily filed, because you you have to know if you're in this business, if you understand how this works, the the special master that would be required for this is someone who would come in after the FBI has done their own sorting process. This is a normal procedural thing. So they're requesting a special master at a point before the special master, if one were to ever be appointed, would be required. But built into the seizure process is the FBI doing this, and it's an ex parte situation between the court and the FBI. So the court is essentially saying, why are you interrupting the standard procedure that we have for doing these things? You know how this works. If you have a question later, you'll have an opportunity to request something, but probably you wouldn't need a special master because you'll go piece by piece and you'll figure out what the deal is. First, hear what the FBI has to say ex parte about what's in and what's out. That's, that's my understanding of what's happening here. So they completely jumped the gun. They were just looking for a public relations thing and they got it completely wrong. In the process, they had to put information out about Trump and what was in there that otherwise wouldn't have had to gone into any other filing because no filing was necessary. And it's also like, and to that point, they're, my, they, we already know that they're doing this yeah, because sure. he got the passports back right. Remember, like a week ago yeah. where he's like, oh, they stole my passports. And there was this like, oh shit, are they like actually about to arrest him because they're afraid he's going to flee the country? 
And they're like, no, we, we grabbed them by accident. They yeah. happen to be in these yeah. boxes. I mean, you're, everything, we're, everything's in boxes, so you go ahead and you pull it, and, and then you start giving it back. Obviously, they're going through the material. Obviously, you can bet your life they've, they've gone through a tremendous amount of it, if not all of it, very carefully already. And there can be challenges made. There'll be a listing of that material uh, when, if and when, if and when a court filing becomes necessary, the next thing would be, of course, an indictment. But if and when that is necessary, the Trump team, whatever you want to call them, uh, the, his rump team, as it were, is going to have all of the information uh, presented to them in advance. It'll be part of discovery, and they can challenge uh, something going in at that point. But there was no need for a special master at this point because it interferes with a standard recognized process, ex parte action between the court and the FBI, the Justice Department. I, they, they just jumped in to, to, get to, to make a point they thought, I think, might have been, um, a, a, maybe, this is the, maybe this is the bullshit line that'll catch on and people will go on fire about it. And they just muddled the waters up more than they had before. Yes. And then that's not to say about the other the other thing that they released, which was basically, and this isn't something I haven't had time to read through yet. My understanding is it's basically a communications between the uh, National Archives, the Trump team, and I believe the FBI, or it's a response to them, basically saying, hey, look, these are all the steps that we have done yeah. to try to get these back before we went to have to actually take it. From yeah. And they're yeah. like, yeah, this will look good for us because it shows that they've been targeting us and all it does is prove that he like did this yeah. um, further information that apparently has come out is he's taking like 700 documents above classified <laughs> is it that um, many it's, it's up to that much already my god i oh, think so yeah. also there's 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 a couple of other things um one it appears that he got he uh he had these in a residence for a while and it started in like march of this year and some lawyer told him, hey, you, those are your documents. Don't ever give them back. And that's basically what he started doing, He's why he didn't want to give them back in the first place. I, I, and, don't, I don't believe any lawyer, I don't believe any lawyer, any serious lawyer, anyone who knows anything about law and who, who could read the federal statute, the Title 18 statutes, as easily as anybody else and read all of the constitutional requirements and read the procedural. No serious lawyer could actually advise a client. That's a lie. I, I, I'm sorry. I just don't accept that, David. That's a load of well, crap. You say, you see, the key thing you said there is serious lawyer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Trump at this point is basically being represented by like parking ticket people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's like not an exaggeration. No, um, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So we also know that the affidavit is coming out. So Judge Reinhardt um, said that the affidavit is coming out. I believe it's noon today. Yeah. Yeah. Today it's coming out. Um, should be interesting. Yeah. There's going to be a lot in it. Um, I don't know what exactly we're going to see because it's going to be redacted. Of so course, we're obviously yeah. not going to get the names of the, the agents or the witnesses or anything like that. Yeah. Unless somehow... Breitbart gets their hands on it in some weird way again. Ah. Uh, which is good because um, that'll that'll certainly cause less terrorism. Uh, ah. oh but we'll, we'll, hopefully the things that won't be redacted are the many steps written down of the communications between the National Archives, 
the FBI and the Trump team talking about how, hey, we know you have this stuff because we know it. We asked you for it back. We sent people down there to ask you nicely. They came and got some of it in which you told us you have more. We yeah. asked you for that back. And then we had to go take. Yeah, I mean, you know, Trump demanding that this be put out there. Those people, again, this is the stupidest thing in the world, probably done with as with, with, with with dumb a, uh, a rationalization as, well, whatever the hell they say is in the document, whatever we don't like, we claim is a lie, and they're putting that out to, uh, to basically hurt us. But the stupidity of that is that, as, you, as you're saying, there's a timeline. First, we have that time. We, we know the first contacts on this were in May of 2021. And, and we have that timeline roughly laid out from the warrant. The warrant gave us a, a bit of that to begin with. We know from other documentation from the National Archives what the general timeline was. Now, if this is what I think it'll be, and if they don't redact it anymore, you're going to get a really detailed timeline of attempts to contact Trump. But of course, the, the, any statement about the contact that would imply or suggest uh, sources or what the specific criminality was other than a general breach of, of, of one of the Title 18 three laws that was in there, I would expect that to be redacted. That, of course, and every other name, everything else that was in there uh, as far as the specifics of what was in those boxes. Uh, but you're right. There, there's a lot of room... Uh, Process-wise, there's a lot of room to talk and a lot of information that could come out, and it's all going to hurt Trump. Yeah, this is like none of this has been good. Obviously, this appears to be very different than some of the other legal uh, trouble he's been. Speaking of which, there was a uh, a full memo that came out about, I believe it was the Barr memo, talking pushing back on the the Mueller. Oh report. yeah, oh yeah. And my understanding is it's. One of the worst cover-ups in, like, history about yeah. how blatantly he misrepresented the, the ideology he put. Like, everything he put in there was just a blatant lie. Yeah, we're, 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 back to, we're back to good lawyers and bad lawyers. Then there are good lawyers, and Trump and Barr is a smart SOB. Uh, but he basically obviously lied and, and waffled and played to basically cover for uh, the man that he was covering for. His job as attorney general was to cover for, cover for Trump. I have not read the, the memo in its entirety, but I've heard people discuss it. I've heard serious lawyers discuss it. And it is legally garbage. It's legal garbage. It's, it's a, I heard it described as a fantasy explanation for why Trump should not be charged. Uh, I would still advise anyone uh, who can get a copy of it, it's out there, go to the Mueller report and read the second section. And that's the section that lays out the 10 separate criminal processes. Without ever saying, it's, it would be like saying, you know, um, uh, yes, uh, the man, uh, yes, uh, th- th- there was a knife in, in the victim's chest, uh-huh, and the knife belonged to uh, Joe, and uh, Joe is known for stabbing people, and Joe never lent out his knife, and Joe had his knife that evening. And then the document ends there without saying, therefore, it's likely that, Joe, you know, it, th- that's, that's the nature of the, of the Mueller report. And, and right. I, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But 
So, like, my, my final understanding for that is basically Barr's, under, Barr's statement was you can't instruct, instruct obstruct an investigation if there's no underlying charges for the investigation you're obstructing, regardless of whether or not you've obstructed or not. <laughs> that seems to be my understanding of the mentality. Yeah, that, 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 that is, and that is just about as... As as that's about as generous uh, an interpretation uh, of what is uh, what was in the bar memo as I've heard anyone offer, and uh, you're being kind uh, because it's uh, I've heard a lot nastier things being said about bar bar. Barr is is just spending all of his time trying to create a legacy for himself. He thought he'd do a nice job of it when he responded honestly to the January 6th committee. Uh, but now this other stuff is coming out. And the guy in the end is just going to be, uh, you know, Trump's lapdog uh, trying to, I don't know, whatever, whatever, whatever anyone's motivation has been for being Donald's lapdog. I, I don't know. I think Barr's a little different because this is like a history of him. His job is to help because he believes in the unilateral executive. So it's it's a whole other thing. Yeah. But, but I he, want to talk about. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Dark Brandon's newest win, which ah. is the student debt relief program. So yeah. Let's let's lay some background first. First, student debt. Nobody has been pay- making payments on it for like the last two years based on COVID. Right. So it's not like the government has been paying people back. Now, the government has these debts. So in order for the government to forgive them, they just say, you don't have to pay us anymore. You and me are not paying the students back for that. Right. We haven't been paying them back for months. Right. The Basically, what's happening is the government is not receiving an income for these loans. Okay. Now, what Joe Biden did is a couple of things. One, and this is this is a general overall view of Joe Biden that I think is the best way for him to campaign uh, until next week when he when he legalizes marijuana and that he just wins the 2022 and the 2024 election by like 30 points. Um, <laughs> because Joe Biden is not going to be FDR right now. But Joe Biden has set in motion a groundwork for a potential Democratic president who is more progressive and actually has a larger uh, a larger Senate and a larger House in yeah. order to do some truly transformative things. Like, for example, we've seen the effect of the child tax credit. Yeah. That's something they should be campaigning on. You keep us the House, you get us two more senators, we'll reinstate the child tax credit and we'll expand it. Yeah, you um, you they we've seen their uh, the chip manufacturing bill, something but that's positive and something's done. We've seen the things that are in the the inflation reduction, whatever they're calling the, that act now. Yeah, the the in the uh, the start of climate, the the um, the negotiating for drugs that are on Medicare. Huge. The, the attempt to to lower insulin costs. Yeah, like these are all pieces that you can start. And build the foundation on, and that are little things that you can give people that, like, hey, this noticeably made my life better. I'm going to keep voting for this guy because they're going to keep making my life better. David, you're right on it. What what was what they started with 
were the best bullet points you could possibly have to describe the ideas and the and the and the direction that that Joe Biden is going, that his administration is going in. You're correct again. No way in hell is this the whole enchilada. But what they've gone for are the things that are not only just great talking points, I guess is what I'm saying, but they also have specific solid impact in people's lives and you can campaign on it. And I think it's in that regard, it's it's brilliant the way they set this up. I still can't believe they finally caught past Mansion and Cinema to get that law signed. I it still still amazes me. Right. And just the, the other thing for this, these do not knock this. Just because it's not the whole doesn't mean to I know people in my life who are talking to since it's not so like, yeah, I'm, my debts are gone. Like they're free now. Yeah. Just because, so now I don't remember specifically if it's you can get the thirty if it, you have ten thousand and you have the Pell grants. I don't remember if that that uh, combines, but that's a lot for people. Yeah, and hell yeah. The, that's not the whole thing. It's the five percent cap on um, what you can pay for of, of your uh, of your income. It's a five percent cap for that. Yeah, it's a yeah. ten year period. If you have still over. Was it twelve thousand dollars in student debt? It's just forgiven. Yeah, it's the if you are making a minimum payment, even if that minimum payment is zero, you cannot get more interest stacked on top of it. Yeah, this is like there are substantial steps in this that it's the oh forgiveness stuff is really good. And now here's the best part of it is the just outrage of it. If you are mad about this because oh, it's not fair to me, or you're lying that it's all coastal elites that the middle class is paying for. Um, you don't understand how numbers work uh, because let's say it's a lawyer. If a lawyer is making over individually $120,000, they don't get this benefit. And if they're a lawyer who's making under $125,000, which is generally somebody who is either just starting or they're doing pro bono work... Don't you think they should have that help? Why not? Like the whole point of this is they should have help. We set up a system where an entire generation was told that, hey, you have to go to college to be effective. And then they slammed the door on the ability to pay for that system because of greed. And while this is not the ultimate way to solve student debt, it is not the way to solve the fact that colleges we've, we've, we've got to deal with in, colleges. We have to deal with college costs also. I mean, this is right. This is a two punk in the same way that legalizing marijuana isn't going to solve the prison system. Yeah, it's going to help it in a positive step. Yeah, but it's yeah. the first step. Americans are not good with big changes. And there are a lot of massive structural changes that as a country we need to make and we need to make faster. So these are good first steps. Yeah. But the people who are arguing this, you have to understand that like they're not for education. If you're arguing against this, you do not believe that every single person deserves an education. Yeah. You 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 just made a you you made a point that I've never heard in all the time that you and I have been talking together, David. I've never heard you make the point. I think we both know that it's a fact, but I never heard you say it outright. Americans are bad with big, massive, sudden changes. And I think, I mean, just to go a little bit off axis on this, this is exactly what's happening to the Republicans with the repeal of Roe v. Wade as well. 
You can't take anything in any direction with America and expect it to just go easily. You're going to get pushback. I think the way this is being handled for student loan purposes, the 10,000 figure, you know there were huge discussions about this prior to this. My, my bottom line reaction is, yes, you could start talking about, well, it's on the middle class. No, no. Tell me about the student who suddenly doesn't have a $10,000 additional debt on their, on their back. Tell me, and tell me what the Republicans are doing about it besides running it through the grievance machine to turn it into a bad, a grievance. What would you have done? Hello, if there was a Republican in the White House, what would be happening here? Nothing. They'd probably find ways to charge more or something. It's, it's, Come on, guys, you know, wake up on this one. It's, it's a no-brainer, but it fits into this beautiful series of wins that the Biden administration is able to point to now. Joe's on the road. He was there in Maryland yesterday. He's starting this whole thing. It, it works with the, it, it's like the, it, it sounds like Biden is using Dan Abrams uh, commercials uh, that he, that uh, during the uh, the primary here in New York, the recent primary here in New York, going ticking off this list of they're trying to take away your reproductive rights, your safety, your your uh, your 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 you know the, the safety of the planet. The he just ticks down three or four or five things, and it's us here, the Republicans there, and it's so easy to do that because they've basically set it up because they've had to basically kowtow to Donald. It always comes back to Donald, doesn't it? Yes. Also, can we talk very quickly about the Republicans and the, and the elections? Sure. So we have the the elections in New York, um, and I want to be clear about this. Uh, fuck Patrick Maloney. Um, because of him, we lost two de- we lost two progressive seats. Um, we lost the Bondair Jones lost his seat in in the seventeenth district. Yeah, because Patrick Maloney ran away from his district to this district. I'm, I'm, you're and you're dropping in and out, David. That's okay. He Keep going. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, fuck you, Patrick Maloney. David, I think we've. Oh. David, we're we're getting about every third word. So what I'm going to do here. Is uh, and I and I and I know the point you wanted to make, but I'm not going to make it for you. I'll give you a chance to make it next week. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I think we're gonna sort of call it uh, call it the end at this point over here uh, for uh, so some for technical reasons only. Certainly not because uh, your point would not be well taken, uh, and uh, we're not we're just not picking it up right now. So I thank you once again for being part of the show and uh, as we always do on a Friday uh, at this point uh, sit back, kick back, try to relax and uh, digest it as well as you can and the best you're going to be able to do is trying to digest it with a little jazz.
listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. No more guardrails, no more people with pillows holding him in line, no legal representation, no adults, and no professionals to hold him back from doing the worst of what he might do. Donald is basically a free-form actor at this stage in the game, working with the worst attorneys in the world, and whatever he is and whatever he's doing will end. The question is when and under what circumstances.